The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Kevin A. Comics. I'm yours, John Clark. With me is mostly always is my co-host. Stephen Brown. Although it hasn't been mostly always. Like, no, it hasn't. I think it's like the last two or three weeks. We've had like every week we've talked, and I'm like, nope, I got somebody in the bank. Rotating us. Yeah. Which has been helpful. The last couple weeks have been a little silly. Well, you had a big day yesterday. Uh, Friday. Friday. Okay, yeah. I saw the pictures yesterday. Yeah, I, I think they were a little overwhelmed with everything from the day. Um, so it's more of a bigger day for my sister and my sister-in-law, um, Lisa and Tina. Uh, who have been on I the show many, many times. Many, many times. So, so if you're a long-time uh, listener, you know exactly who they are. Yes. So their wedding was uh, Friday afternoon. We did it in um, um, the Bachelors Grove Cemetery, which is just a little scotch down from where they live. Um, so it was outdoors because their venue uh, had to cancel, obviously, with everything going on. Um, right. Because so they, they wanted to keep their, their wedding date and then we'll have a ceremony. This was just like family and then like uh, the, our friends, Carla and Joe. And then yeah, because like, I, an invita- I got an invitation for this and then I got an invitation for this in 2021. Yes. Which I think was the smart way for them to do it. Definitely. Yeah. So they wanted to keep their... Um, the actual wedding date, 11-20-20, because 11-20 is their anniversary. And it was their ah. 13th anniversary. Um, so they wanted to keep the anniversary and then have it on the 13th year for their wedding. And then we'll have the ceremony next year, God willing, with all the vaccines and everything that they're working on here. Right. Um, although we're in a better shape than we would have been. The last time I saw them when they were explaining the how it was going they were like well we also want to get this done before there might be a second trump term and right. illegal and they take away their right to do so yes yeah. so yeah. Um, Our, luckily that's not happening yeah so how was it it was great it was really great um it was you we couldn't have really asked for like more perfect weather considering it was like late november um, it was like 50 degrees or something. It was sunny out. Uh, they found a photographer that was available. Um, everyone made it. Everyone was on time. It wasn't muddy because this is outdoors and like this, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Bachelors Grove. It's not like a, no. it's a Chicago thing. Um, Bachelors Grove is one of the most allegedly haunted cemeteries in the country. Um, it's, if anyone if from Chicago who's listening to this, they've probably at least heard of it. Um, and it's right along Midlothian uh, Turnpike. Um, in fact, old Midlothian Turnpike, I learned, is the trail that's next to Bachelors Grove. So the graves in this place are all like people that were born in like the mid 1800s and died in like the 1920s. But Al Capone used to dump bodies in the lake nearby and uh, people have been going to the cemetery to be silly. Uh, all the Graves are knocked over because people are assholes. There was a satanic symbol burned into one of the trees while we were there. Um, it's just weird. My dad said a bunch of his buddies went there and like dug up a body when they were like blasted. 
Um, so it's got a lot of unfortunate history. It's kind there's of like, not a lot of respect if you're buried here. No, there's not. Um, it's you're really basically, kind of weird. <laughs> you're basically putting in your will, make sure people fuck with my body. Yes, desecrate my grave once I've perished from this world. It says that on most of the tombstones in there. <laughs> yeah. um, but everything else is great. Um, so everyone cooperated, behaved themselves. Um, we... Uh, had the ceremony uh in the uh graveyard uh they did little pictures and stuff they brought their little psychotic cat out into the you know she on a little leash and they took pictures with her um and that's where we did her engagement photo was on the trail yes and i just found this out like a week ago that that the michael my by the way their wedding their announcement picture is the two of them in the woods with michael myers uh, stalking them, which is perfect for them. Yes, and Lisa I love, is a massive I, Halloween fan. I just found out you were Michael Myers in that. I was, yes. Yeah, we did that. Um, it must have been a long time ago. Probably probably back like last, like around Halloween last year, we took the engagement photos, I think. Um, so yeah, so Lisa's a big uh, Halloween fan. Um, so they wanted to do that. And then they did a new round of photos, but Lisa's in the jumpsuit and the, you know, the, um, whatchamacallit, the Shatner mask. Yeah. Um, but um, it's a pretty cool costume. It's just like, um, you know, they, it's like an easy, easy peasy uh, costume. Do you, think, do you think every time a new Halloween movie comes out, Shatner's people just start yelling at the studio? I, I like You're using my face. I should be in it. <laughs> that he uh, he hits him up for royalties every yeah. Movie how that is comes he? Out. How is he not in one of these things? There's been like twenty of them. Right. How yeah. has he not been like at least murdered in one? Right. Yeah, like, they, they didn't want to do that. Break the fourth wall there. Maybe, yeah, but then it's Halloween. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's so many of them, and these are well, you know it's you know like they respect their own um, continuity. You know. You, you know what happened at some point? Shatner had a meeting and came in and said, "Here's the pitch. I'm on a plane." And I look out the window, and there's Michael Myers on the wing. And I go, oh, it's me. <laughs> and, then he, and then I die. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, great, Bill. That's fantastic. Wanted too much money. I think the first mm. one was made on like a shoestring budget. So, um, Well, the first one, it was, um, I think they didn't, ha- they didn't have to get the rights for him. They just got it from Don Post. And um, oh, who's Don fact, Post? Don Post was the company that made those masks. Oh. So I think they just paid the company that made the masks and then it just looked like a face. Funny thing so is the mask um, is turned inside out. Uh it was spray painted. I know it's oh, I think it's, it's not painted. turned inside out because the hair's still on it. So I think right. they they just spray painted it white and honestly with the, those dimensions you can't tell it's Shatner because it's not right. it doesn't have the same head shape. And it's an old Halloween rubber mask is from like the seventies. So it's like, yes, it's so not they, even like, it's like now, I mean, you see some of these, some of these Hollywood masks that you can get in like Halloween stores. Now they look like Hollywood prosthetics. They're so good, you know, but this was like seventies, you know, it's like, it wasn't like the height of disposable, um, you know, plastic. It's not yeah, there's a, likeness. There's a great story on the Dana Gould hour on Dana Gould's podcast, who honestly, I could spend half of my podcast just plucking Dana Gould's podcast. Yeah. Who um, has been on the show and it's the reason I still fucking do the show. Because yeah. <laughs> they might come back. Dana Gould did it once. Um, and it couldn't have been better. But he tells the story that uh, he goes back a little further. The only reason there was a William Shatner mask 
was it was included with the rights. Don Post only wanted to the aliens. He only wanted to do like the Gorn and the Klingons and the oh. Romulan. He didn't want to do the cast, but they were like, ah, it, it's mixed up. You got to do a Shatner and you got to do an Emoy. So the yeah. Shatner was a mask that didn't sell. So like they kind of had to put it out. Right. And, and you know, it became this whole second life. And, you know, yeah. and Shatner's a guy that's had five or six second lives. Right. Yeah, that's wild. And now yeah, he's part of your wedding. It's a weird thing you hear about. I was like a teenager or something. I, we never really, I didn't get into like Halloween when we were kids. And then I remember being like, yeah, it's William Shatner's mask. I'm like, what? And I remember being very confused by that. But then it's like this like cultural thing that just, it's like a, I don't know. It's like an Easter egg. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. funny. It's just funny. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a very, very cheap movie to make. So it's not like, it's not like they were like, and, and he puts on Shatner's mask. Cause he, right. Right. Like if they had the money and there was a reason for him to, to have Shatner's mask, they'd be like, when Michael My- Michael Myers was like left alone, like watching TV, yeah. um, which is in, which is in like his backstory, he would have been watching Star Trek, and he's not. Right. So, and there's no mention in the movies that it's Shatner's face, right? They're no. just like like they just a weird mask. They wanted him to be as blank. I think they yeah. called him the shape. They wanted him to be as blank as possible. I love that this is our Thanksgiving podcast. We're still fucking talking about Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> as we've gone on record, I hate Thanksgiving. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving. I know. So we, I know you're probably very thrilled this year this that is our, Thanksgiving uh, is canceled, essentially. This, yeah, I'm very thrilled. I don't even have, I don't even have my kids. Yeah. <laughs> like my, you know, my ex is like, I want them for Thanksgiving. I'm like, you can have them for you Thanksgiving. You can have them for this holiday that I despise. <laughs> yes, I was like, I want no part of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very happy that it's canceled. This, this, this is part of the uh, fracture that goes deep within our friendship. It's yes. like, uh, yeah, you like Thanksgiving and I don't. You like the Avengers, I like Spider-Man. There's just like, this There's a, there, division points. We've had so many discussions. I'm like, hey, maybe we should turn Captain Comics into more of a niche podcast, like, like a podcast where we read every issue of a series. And you and I are different enough that we can never agree. Right, because much. it's like uh, I, I would happily read every issue of Avengers, but there's no yeah, way I, I could happily. read every issue of Batman. <laughs> yeah, you could read every Amazing Spider-Man. They're entertaining. Yeah, that I could certainly do. Yeah, um, I'm actually still working. I'm uh, it's I'm in volume two of Amazing Spider-Man. So oh, the omnibus. Yes, so I'm right up to where they introduced the Kingpin for the first time. Oh, you're time. in the good stuff. Yes. The John is. Ramita stuff. Yes, That's- it is. I've been waiting to get to this for a while. I finished the Ditko one, and I went right into this one. And then yeah. I've got volumes three and four, so oh, I'll good. this, and then I'll kind of keep going. Um, yeah, and I don't think they're ever going to stop. I'm, I'm sure when we get that third Spider-Man movie, we'll get that. Oh, yeah. Five. There's been a, a problem with omnibuses lately. Um, Has there? Yeah, I've been seeing this a lot. Uh, there's an omnibus group on Facebook that you and I both belong to um, that lets you know about sales and stuff that are coming out and what's being printed now because omnibuses have become like, they're yeah, like hot yeah. toys at this point. Where and, and Not only that, it's the, they're churning them out with such volume now. Literally, with it's like in the last, I think it's like three weeks, I've placed an order every single week with um, in-stock trades. It's like, it's silly how much of this stuff is coming out. I just got the, uh, Grant Morrison's entire JLA omnibus came out on. Right. Week. 
uh, Excalibur Volume One came out. Uh, I got the Infinity Saga Omnibus, which is all the Jim Starlin like independent Thanos stuff that bridges like everything after all the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Wars, and all that. I, I just ordered Road to No Man's Land Omnibus. Yes, I saw that. I didn't order it because I'm trying to stay away from uh, too many DC books. I do love like '90s Batman. Is like uh, when Denny Denny O'Neill was yeah. editing them all. You don't go too far wrong with any. You really don't. Batman. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know. It's like uh, I think Batman in the '90s. The '90s get a bad rap because there's there the bad stuff was so loud. Yeah, but the '90s get a bad rap from you. <laughs> no, I mean I think it's like a lot of people talk about like the '90s as like the over extremeness, the image right. comics, like Spawn. This kind of stuff is like some people really love that stuff, but it's like a lot of people are really turned off. It was a really bad turning point for a lot of people. But DC in the '90s was, I mean, I was loving it. You know, no, it was rock solid. I mean, you yes, had- it's like the Batman books were great. They had all yep. the legacy characters in place. Uh, yeah, you had Mark Wade writing the Flash. You yeah. had Ron Mars creating Kyle Rayner. Yep. You had um, well, a little later, as you just said, Grant Morrison takes over Justice League. Right. Uh, it, they're on very solid footing. Yeah, it's it would they were doing interesting stuff. Not everything worked, you know. It's like they can never, yeah. Really at one point, Dr. Fate, was like, Dr. Fate was a biker with a knife, yeah, exactly. It's like you know, they're not all winners, <laughs> right? So you gotta yeah, kind of find you know, niche, you but, try stuff. Um, there was but, there was some cool stuff coming out, but the problem with the omnibuses right now is I'm finding um, they're flying out of print as quickly as they're being made. Like, oh, yeah, things are selling out within a week you can't get, yeah. That's like, uh, I I've got a budget and I literally have to budget for these books because there's, there's so many of them coming out so quickly. Like I said, it's right. almost every week. I'm but like once, at least sorting one or two of these. But things. once they're gone, they're gone. Some of these are That's selling it. out yeah. within a week or two. Like that Batman Paul Dini on us. I think you asked me, you texted me. wasn't even on the show. You said, are you going to get it? I'm like, yeah, it's a really good run, but I don't have the money right now. Gone. It was yeah. just, within a week, just gone. And this is a $125 book. Yeah, it is something, it, based on like the solicitations alone, um, they, they, they have to be peaking, right? Because yeah. they're, they're, they're selling, they, you know, it used to be one of these things a month Marvel would put out, maybe once once. And DC month. wasn't putting them out at all. And DC wasn't. And then DC started pumping them out. And then Marvel puts out like four or five every month now. They just um, announced, um, McFarlane just announced he's doing a Spawn Omnibus. Issues one to fifty, all of his stuff and like right. a lot of Capullo stuff, and yeah. he's put them out in hardcover. And you know he's he's done the IDW thing, he's done trades, but this is the first time he's getting into that. Right, I I do think it's got to be. So something more going on, I think, is that like I just think it's like so many people are kind of on this bandwagon right now because it's there's. I mean, I'm looking at the show. I have to. Uh, I made some adjustments to my shelf where that all these things are stored. And I realized I have to actually add another shelf because I was just doing the math and looking at what's coming and what's on the schedule from in-stock trades. And it's like, there's so much stuff coming out. It's like, I'm not going to have room unless I add another shelf, which is horrifying because you can only add so many shelves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Like, I, so you start to think like, fuck, it's like beyond my ability to control again. Well, I took, uh, I, I took bookcases when I moved and I left floor to ceiling bookcases. So I had plenty of room. Yes. And, and now I, good. now I have very finite room. So I got to be more judicious. But from what I've been hearing, it's been a two, there's been a uh, twofold problem with the supply and demand is 
first of all, um, you know, factories have slowed way down because right. people have to space themselves out. So we're, they're running with half crews. Um, you know, when people get sick, things get shut down. So they're not printing as fast as they used to. Remember there was like a, there was a blackout for comics for like three months. Yeah, That's how long this year is. Between March and June, there were no comics. No comics, nothing. I mean, I think some stuff, but the, all the major guys were all shut down. You know, they gave- The, the monthlies you know, weren't coming out. Right, monthlies weren't coming out. And I really thought, and it might still happen, you know, who knows if we might have another shutdown in our future, but the I thought that was it. I was like, this is going to be it. How do comics survive this? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, they were printing comics during the war. They kept printing comics. So I thought, you know, if they were, if they printed these things during World War II, but then during a pandemic, they can't, you know, no one can go get them. I thought the stores were going to survive. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I think we'll make it, you know, it's like, we were just talking before the show about guys like Mike, uh, who owns Mr. Wayne's is a great guy, great store. And it's like these little, you know, mom and pop stores. It's like, uh, you know, you really worry about these guys. Cause it's, I know what it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you exist on the margins and then they shut you down and, and then you, you know, you can't, you can't pay your bills. You got to close. So right. it's that some of these guys are, you know, making it and staying open. Well, the flip side of the demand is uh, because everyone's sitting around at home, there's a lot of people who's like, yeah, I can read 1500 pages of Batman. Right. So, yeah, exactly. so, so they're selling out fast. It, the interesting thing is, as you said, oh, we're so worried about it shutting down, but the demand is building from people that can't go out. Right. And one of my biggest problems with omnibuses was, uh, I loved buying them. I loved the paper quality, the 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 print quality. This was like the it was like the Blu-ray of comics. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, but now I'm gonna get on a screen and go to work. I can't carry this 12-pound book with me back and forth. And I started to get deeper into comicsology. But now that people are home, I mean, I you know the uh, I'm starting a job now which is 100% remote because of COVID. Where they said, yeah. look, even when COVID lifts. Don't come in. <laughs> yeah, I actually was a, a, a wondering, you know, how many of these major companies that, you know, where you don't really have to work in a team setting or in like, you don't have to be in person to do your job. I think a lot of these places are just going to go. Just yeah, just to save working on. Working permanently. Just, yeah, just to save on, save the, on real the estate. Physical real estate. Yeah. yeah, it's like all these fancy advertising agencies have all this expensive real estate downtown Chicago. And it's like, what for you know all your guys have been working at home for nine months and and the work's still getting done you know it's like bottom line is like the number one thing they want to cut right so it's like i just can't imagine a lot of these office spaces making it i think what these offices are going to become are a reception area a c's eo's office three conference rooms that's it right like you're not going to have these row of desks first of all these row of desks the whole open office plan which was all a scam to just have smaller office space you know, right. when you had, you know, cubicles were a way of uh, not giving you an office when you deserved an office. And when I started 20 years ago, I had cubicles that were made out of drywall and wood and they went yeah. over your head and they were just like, they were just, just a little box. <laughs> windowless office. They were a box. And, you know, people complained about them like, you know, office space in Dilbert. They're like, oh, this is horrible. And yeah. so, so then they were like, okay, well, why don't you all sit at troughs like pigs? Right. <laughs> and yeah. like, here's exactly. one long table. Like you basically pretend you're sitting at a library for eight hours. Yeah. And then, and then a pandemic hits where you got to be six feet apart. And they're like, you know what? Nobody come into this. Cause this is built the opposite way of that. Right. Um, 
But yeah, but there's a lot of people who now have the time to be like, hey, I'm going to read all of the Avengers. I'll buy this omnibus. There's less copies out there and there's more people that want them. So I'm starting to see the collector mentality take over omnibuses, which used to be a librarian's state. You know, there's, there's two states of collecting. There's the collectors and the archivists. Right. And I was always an archivist. I was always like, give me the best presentation of this. I don't care about having the original book. I don't care about the quality. You know, I want an action figure of this character. I don't need a vintage one. I don't need to keep them in package. But we're getting the Venn diagram for omnibuses now. And yeah. there are people that are selling them like still in shrink wrap, you know, never been opened. Uh, yeah, it's wild. I, I even think I was thinking about the other day because you had mentioned, you know, some of these first printings of some of these books will go for four or five times what they're worth. You know, they're talking hundreds yeah, they go, of dollars. They go for more than the original issues go. Right. So it's like, now I'm even thinking like, well, they reprint some of this stuff. That's the gamble you kind of take, right? Is like, okay, do you think they're going to reprint JLA by Grant Morrison? So then it's like, I'm not going to get to the one I ordered and I've got here on my shelf for a while. So I leave all mine shrink wrapped until I'm ready to read it. Mm-hmm. So then I always contemplated, like, I should have done it, but I didn't. I've got Daredevil Volume 1 by Bendis and Maliev, and I'd sold my copy, like, months and months ago, and they reprinted number one. So I got a new number one, but it's a second print, so it's not worth what the one I sold. I sold for, like, 200 bucks, and I probably paid, you know, 50 bucks or 60 bucks for it. Um, but that was, I was even thinking, like, oh, man, I'll just buy ones I think I'll want to read, hold on to them. And then when they solicit the second printing, I'll sell the first shrink wrapped first printing to make a profit. And then it's like, that's such a rabbit hole to go down. I yeah. was like, I don't have time for this. You know, <laughs> you, know? you know what? Nine months into doing that, you're owning a store again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't have time nor the inclination to do that. Yeah, I, I just went back. My fallback position is characters where I had, I had all, I had the entire silver age of marvel comics i bought them twice because when marvel masterworks came out i bought everything so i had all the thors and captain americas and avengers and iron mans and hulks and namors and ant mans and then when i had to shrink down again i was like i don't care about ant man i don't care about hulk uh iron man stories aren't great in the silver age and i sold them all off and then later I had more money and I had more space and the omnibuses came out and I bought Iron Man and Thor and Hulk. Right. And then when I moved, you uh, learned nothing. <laughs> yeah. When, no, no. And when I moved this summer, those were the ones I sold. And you know what? Some of them went for a lot. I think I got like 600 bucks for the three Thor omnibuses. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't care about Thor. I, I want to see another Taika Waititi Thor, but yeah. Um, yeah. There. And that, that's always a problem with collecting. I mean, I feel like we talk about this a lot, but for me personally, it's, it goes from want to have to should have. It's like, I want to have all of Amazing Spider-Man. I want to have uh, all of the Claremont X-Men. Um, but then there's part of me like, I should have the Peter David Hulk. Yeah. I shouldn't. I've read them. I've read them. I like them. They're a high, high watermark for Hulk, but Hulk has never been my favorite character and he never will be. Yeah, but, I, but there's I, a part of me. If I have the money in the space, I'm like, I should have those. Those are worthy of being in my library. And I'll that's spend- exactly where I'm at because I've never read them. They're I've, good. They're I've definitely good. Peter David and I've ordered two of them. They're shrink wrapped. They're sitting on my shelf. I probably won't get to them before Volume Three is released in like January or February. I think they're coming out with the next volume of it. 
Um, so it's like, they're going to print his whole run. And it's like, I'm ordering it sight unseen. I, the only Peter David Hulk I've read, I've read the end and I read future and perfect. And I like those. Books. And those are the best ones. And I like X factor. Uh, yeah. and, um, Oh, and Peter David actually wrote a lot of, um, young justice. I found out. Oh yeah, he did. Show. Yeah. Yeah. He's credited in a few of the episodes, a lot of the ones with like beast boy and stuff. Yeah, he's written but, some. Um, he's written some of the best Spider-Man too, and uh, right, definitely it, in the eighties. Definitely. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where it's just like it's like part of part of it is the creator, right? Is that there's certain creators where you you just kind of know, all right, this like Hulk's a great example. I never really cared for the Hulk. I never read the Peter David stuff outside of those two stories, but it's one of those things everyone talked about Peter David's Hulk. And it's such in very much the same way everyone used to talk about Walter Simon or still does. But before I had read it, everyone talked about Walter Simonson's story. Like you got to read this run. It's yeah. Like, and that's what I'm, that's run. an, uh, that's a run I didn't read until I bought the omnibus. Right. Uh, and that run is, is that run is good enough. I mean, I care about Thor about it as much as I care about Hulk, but that run is good enough where I kept that book. I didn't sell that book. Also right. it's one volume. Yes. Peter, and that's Peter, nice. Four. Peter David was on hulk for a decade he was on the hulk as long as chris claremont was on the x-men right and and i think that's kind of part of it is like it's it's like um there's very few writers that had as much to do with the character as like stanley did on spider-man peter david did on the hulk chris claremont did on x-men um you know there's those people that uh, stanley on fantastic four you know um it's just like you're when you're on the book for so long it's like you've defined the character more than any other writer that's come since or before. And for Hulk, I mean, it's, it's Peter David. I will say the immortal Hulk um, has been phenomenal. And I, uh, I, I resisted reading it. I don't care for the Hulk, but I'd heard it was so good. And Stu and Dave would actually tell me all the time, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. And I finally started reading it a couple months ago and I'm, I'm now I'm reading it monthly. Um, which I've never read a Hulk book monthly. I read um, the first trade of that and I was like, oh, good. But I didn't like, it didn't blow me away to get the second trade. Yeah, it's, enter- I'm enjoying it. It's like, uh, it's, it's like the only horror comic I've ever really kind of enjoyed. Um, it's like they're, they're, they're treating, it's, it's like horrifying what they're doing in this book. Um, but it's really, really good. So if anyone is looking for, uh, it's a good time to be a Hulk fan. I'd say it's like, there's a couple of these books out there of the, in the main Marvel books that they're putting out um, where they've kind of taken a new direction on some characters that needed this fresh change and Hulk's one of them. And I'm all, I'm all in. Yeah. So, I would say with the Peter David Hulks, I think, I think you are smart for buying them because you haven't read them. Right. Um, I read them ironically. Uh, I guess this is going back about 15 years I bought somebody had the full run on eBay for like 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh great. Yeah. I'll re- I'll spend that. And they showed up when I got laser eye surgery. So, oh yeah. So as my eyes were healing, I was reading the entire run of Peter David Hulk and it's all worth it. I, you're going to enjoy it. Like it's held up yeah. really well. You've got some incredible art. You've got like McFarlane in the beginning. You've got Dale Keown for a bit. You got Gary Frank You've got some really, really good. There's some Cooper stuff in there. You got really good artists all the way through, and um, most of the stuff that Peter David is doing is really interesting. So you're gonna enjoy those books. The question is, five years from now, do you still want them on your shelf? Right after and you've read them. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of it will, it will just have to come down to space because, like, like I said, I, I've got to put in a new shelf. I know that shelf is going to be full uh, within a year, certainly, probably much sooner than that. So then you look at these and it's like, do I need the Acts of Vengeance omnibus still? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of this stuff will go that way where I'll take it, I'll go to the group, I'll say, hey, who wants this thing? You know, I'll be able to ship it because I've got plenty of fucking in-stock trade boxes <laughs> so I can ship this thing perfectly. And I think that's where we'll get to is it'll, collecting always seems to, you try to, myself at least, I try to stay very narrow and then I'm unable to contain my enthusiasm. <laughs> and this yes. happened with Marvel Legends and this has happened with <laughs> Well, And so yeah, there's a waxing and a waning where, you get too much and there's an overload and then at some point then you, you got to prune threshold and then you're pruning back. Yes. Well, I always I think not reached it, that at Marvel legends yet, but omnibus is I'm getting there. Yeah. I always look at collecting as gardening is you start, yes. you start gardening because you're like, I want to eat that. You're like, you know, you're like, I really want carrots. If I planted carrots, I could have all the carrots I want. And then you plant the carrots and then you have the carrots. And, but then you get so into the, you get so into the practice of doing it. They're like, you know what? I also, I also need potatoes. I should have potatoes. Potatoes would be good too. And then you start growing potatoes and then you start, then this garden gets out of control and then you just start, got to start pruning. Yeah. And then you, you got to cut way, way back. And it, that it, I agree. That is the wax and wane. And as a collector, you have to decide what that watermark is and that, and right. that can change. Cause you know, my watermark, went up exponentially, went down exponentially, depending on space. You know, I went from an apartment to a house to an apartment. Right. And my collecting needs changed dramatically. They have depending to, on, yeah. on the, the space I was in. Stuff, stuff that when I was in an apartment, I said, I don't need that. There's no way I would ever need that in a house I had. Right. Because it yeah, was like. It, it just uh, comes down to spaces and chain. I don't want to get to a point where I'm shuttling stuff over to like my parents' basement, you know? Right. Yeah. Like that's where all my comics are. Uh, and it's like, I've tried to go through and sell a lot of those on eBay, but then when COVID hit, that all kind of slowed down. But yeah, the, selling, um, selling comics themselves is tough. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's time consuming and yeah. it's, um, you know, uh, it's disheartening. I was at one point, I must've mailed out 20 packages in probably two or three weeks. And I had one package that uh, was just lost in the mail for like Ugh. months and months. And I finally got it after like 90 days or something. But the guy had, uh, I had to refund the money. I I'd sold the comic for like 280 bucks or something. So I was out that money and then I finally got it back. And then I relisted and I sold it. And then I was like, I'm done with this shit for, <laughs> for months. I just had that happen. I back up. I just sold the entire run of adjectiveless Spider-Man. Yes. From like McFarlane through the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And um, I made like cover price on all of them, which I was shocked. Yeah. And then uh, it was media mail. So it disappeared for a week. And then the guy got it and he was irate. And he was like, there's 22 issues missing in this run. And I'm like, there is not. There was one issue missing. And I found it in my web of Spider-Man's. So I know it's all together. He's like, and there's garbage. There's Keurig pods in here. And I was like, I was like, I was like, that is not what I did. And he sent me the pictures and, you know, part of me was like, is this guy scamming me to get his money back? But right. then he had a hundred percent feedback rating. I had a hundred percent feedback rating. And I'm like, you know what? This thing was probably sitting in a post office and a guy like broke into it. Right. Took a bunch of stuff and then threw garbage in to make it weigh the same. And it's like, I ended up giving him all the, 
I ended up giving him all the money back. And then right, he's like, you're out the books. Right. Well, well then he's like, oh, well I'll ship them back to you. But then eBay's like, okay, pay for the shipping again to get this incomplete run back. And finally I went to the guy, just keep them. I just, yeah. but now I don't want to sell books. Like I, I've made a couple of deals with mile high comics and they've been great, but that's like a month for each one of them. And I've been selling them nice stuff. I've been selling them silver age books, you know? Right. Been, yeah. You always get more for that. Yeah. And I'm, I, my, so I don't own silver age books anymore except for amazing Spider-Man, which I, I haven't gotten to the part where I want to part with. But, yeah, you got to make sure you you got to make your peace with that first. No, yeah, my Silver Age Batmans are gone, and now I'm in Bronze Age Batman, and I'm not going to get as much for them. I mean, you know, that's yeah. I mean, everyone tells you don't get into this hobby to make money. <laughs> it's yes. the early '90s taught us anything. It's like you're not going to make your money back when you get rid of this stuff. You just don't want to. You just don't want to drag it around. You know, it's, right? I remember. Um, Joe Pakovich used to say, like, his comic collection is his comic collection. He's like, yeah, I kept every book I ever bought. He's never rebought a book. But he was like, yeah, some of these I've had for 30 years. And it exhausted me to think of him moving his collection from apartment to apartment to house, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I, that, just, that just seems so unwieldy. That it's like, yeah, dude, let's just put everything in the cloud. Right. Yeah, I mean, even, I, even the omnibuses, like the movers were pissed at me moving those boxes of omnibuses. Yeah, I, I've moved, I've moved once personally, and that was not fun. And I had many, 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 many less omnibuses, probably half of what I have now, because I've been here five years in the, as we said earlier, they, they've increased the amount that they're pumping out. But then we moved the store. And we moved the Oglon store. Yeah. Uh, well, and, you opened and closed stores. And Woodridge, and right. Woodridge. And yeah. that was uh, awful. So any moving after that is always just seems like a cakewalk. <laughs> you know, I'm just right. like, this is nothing compared to moving an entire store of comic books. Yeah. <laughs> fun. My, but, problem, my problem is the, uh, if anything's the anchor that's going to send me down to the bottom of the ocean, it's Marvel Legends. So yeah. everything else has got to be pretty light. It's, right. I, I just bought, um, this is guitar related, which uh, is kind of out of our field, but like uh, one of the things I sold when I moved, I made much more money selling guitars than I made selling comics because I had all these guitars I didn't need. And um, I just bought uh, a Line 6 HX Stomp, which is like, it looks like one guitar pedal, but it's a whole guitar processor. It's basically a laptop for guitars. Okay. So theoretically, you could get rid of everything and plug a guitar into this thing and then plug this into the computer to record or plug it into the PA to play a show. And okay. um, a lot of people don't like them because they're, well, it's digital. It's new. It's not the original, you know, it's, it's um, guitar. Guitar collectors are a lot like silver age comic collectors. You know, there's yeah. a lot of guys that a lot of overlap. There was a lot of guys that didn't like the omnibuses when they came out. They're like, no, I got my original issues. That's good. This is going to devalue them. There's a lot of that kind of thinking of like, yeah. oh, this digital box doesn't sound like a Marshall amp. Uh, but now I've had it for like a week and uh, I, got a lot, I got like a new Bluetooth speaker for it. But like I've gotten a couple of little things. And in my apartment, I've got these got gigantic Marshall amplifiers and a bunch of guitars. And I'm like, these things are heavy. And I'm, you know, I'm nearing 50. Yeah. And it's like, so you're lugging this stuff like, around. Yeah, I made you move them sometimes. Yeah. Um, they're fun. like, they're like 60, 70 pounds. Some of these things. Yeah. And this digital box is like three pounds. You can hold it in one hand. That's wild. And it's like, 
That's why I'm all about the digital revolution. I love the omnibuses for what they are, but it's like the comicsology sales get me more excited because they'll sell you that $50 book for five bucks one week. Right, you're getting so much more for so less. And, and I like the And no more weight. The cloud, it's it's great. It's convenient and all that stuff. I just I just can't get my head around or I can't divorce myself from the idea that like, well, what happens if the cloud goes down? <laughs> and it's like, as unlikely as that might be, it's like, at least I've got physical backups. And I kind of look at it like that as like, in case everything goes to shit, it's like you have entertainment for you <laughs> when you're old, you know? See, I had that, my omnibuses are my hall of fame of like, yeah. if everything went away, would I still be able to read The Dark Knight Returns? Yeah, here it is, but for... For other things, I found it very easy to get rid of DVDs and Blu-rays yeah. because it's like people like physical media, physical media. I'm like, it's still digital. Right. Like you're just owning a disc instead of streaming it. It doesn't make it more tactile. Like a book right. is analog. Definitely. You know, and- yeah. The book, the, that's why it's like the, I, I, I do read comics online. I, I read like the weekly comics when they come out online, but the, I, I do prefer physical comics to be read not on a screen it's like i look at a screen all day at work i don't want to spend a lot of time entertaining myself by looking at a screen you know yeah but i you know what i i don't enjoy reading monthly comics as much anymore it's like i like reading trades and i like reading graphic novels but i'm like i don't know pain i was thinking about this the other day too is um i'm watching the marvel 616 series on disney plus which is really on friday on Friday. It's really good. And that, now, what is it exactly? So it's eight separate documentaries that are all about Marvel. It's kind of like a Disney Gallery or that One Day at Disney. Like Disney's, Disney Plus has already done a bunch of documentaries. Like they did that, they did that whole series about how they built the parks. And then they did like a, a whole thing about Pixar. Um, it's basically the making of Marvel Comics. But they're eight separate documentaries. Each one's a different director. Um, a lot of people from Community are involved. Allison Bree's done one. Gillian Jacobs has done one. Uh, Paul Shear, who's been on Community and on 30 Rock, uh, did one. So there's a lot of comedians doing them. But uh, each one has a, is a totally separate entity. So one is all about the 1970s Japanese Spider-Man show. Okay. Uh, and it's like the making of that show and the impact of it. But then the next one, Gillian Jacobs did one about women in comics. And... Um, they talk about a lot about like, you know, like Ms. Marvel and Kelly Sue DeConnick doing, doing Captain Marvel. Um, uh, but they also go back and interview Louis Simonson yes. and Trina Robbins. And they talk about Flo Steinberg and Marie Severin. That's it's, awesome. it's really good. Um, and then there's one on cosplayers. There's one on, uh, there's one on like high school kids doing Did it. Did you there's watch um, the cosplayer one? I did. It was actually, I thought it was the weakest one. It was pretty expected. Did they like, have somebody? It was five here? cosplayers and they was all went to New York. Was one of them Mysterio from the movie? Uh, one of the judges that was judging the New York Comic Con was dressed as Mysterio from the movie. Okay, so we rented out the studio last year and it was for Disney. And uh, the the what they were filming was it was right after right around the time spider-man homecoming came out um that's or no not home far from home far from home and uh that's what they were shooting in there so i don't know if it was that but they were shooting a guy that had a mysterio costume oh, no, this was but a i girl. think it was a fan yeah this was a girl that was cosplaying as mysterio mm, okay so different then but there's also um 
there's there's some real the best ones I saw was Paul Shear it's it's all does one that's almost a mockumentary. Okay. Is about um the conceit Paul Shear's from the um, Samantha B show? Uh no, Paul Shear is Paul Shear hosts How Did This Get Made? That oh. podcast and Unspooled. And he's done a lot of guest appearances. He's like he's in the league. He as I said, he did a few 30 rocks, he did like a community. He's one of those guys you see pop up all over the place. Yeah. Um, he does a lot of bit parts and things, but he directs one that's basically about, and it's pure bullshit, is that um, he's pitching a Disney plus Marvel series, but everybody's been taken. Okay. So he goes on this deep dive of like D and D and C and F list characters. I won't give you spoilers cause it's really fun. Okay. Um, cause he, he finds like one of the most forgotten Marvel books ever. And he's like, I'm going to make a show out of this. And you know, he's not gonna. <laughs> right. Right. But he also there, he's got a lot of uh, really funny people in it. Um, like there's a whole segment where he's going to cast the show and it's all comedians uh, and it's all very recognizable people. So I won't do spoilers of that. But then he, he also uh, does a lot of talking to um, Jesse Falcon, who uh, works on the Marvel toys side of things, um, who I've known for a long time and I've tried very hard to get on this podcast, yeah. but he also comes from UCB, comes from improv. So he knows how to be funny on camera as well as being a Marvel guy. Yeah. Steve Wacker has a big part in it. And Steve Wacker was very influential in bringing comedians to write Marvel comics. Like he's the guy that got Brian Pussain to write Deadpool and got Seth Meyers to do uh, and Bill Hader to write a Spider-Man one shot. And um, so he has a lot of real guys being funny in it. That one's really good. There is one all about the toys, which is great. Jesse Falcon has a huge part in that. And they, they talk- do like Secret Wars and stuff? They do talk about Secret Wars. They talk about Mego and Secret Wars. The most of it is about Marvel Legends and Funko Pops. Wow. So they talk about the creation of Marvel Legends and Toy Biz and Hasbro. And then they talk to um, the guys from Hasbro, the guys who were doing these fan Fridays, you know, they're doing these Facebook live. Yeah. Um, they talk to all those guys and then they also have a section where they go over to Funko and they talk about Funko pops. That one's amazing. And they talk to like a toy photographer. Uh, that one's incredible. And then there is another one that is uh, about the creation of a single issue and they pick Iron Man 2020 number one. So it's all about um, Dan Slott. It's most Dan Slott's the main person in it. And it's about him struggling to get the script written and he's going to Marvel and visiting uh, Tom Brevoort and talking about the book. He's uh, talking to Pete Woods, who's drawing it. Uh, and they interview Pete Woods and then he does a signing at Jim Hanley's when the book comes out. It's really, really well done. Yeah, but, that's uh, cool. And then there's another one about Spanish artists and it's the artist who's doing Miles Morales now and the artist who's doing Moon Girl and they both live in Barcelona. And that's about how global Marvel has become. And they talk a lot about how it used to be a bunch of white guys in Manhattan. You know, yeah. if you wanted to work for Marvel, you lived in Manhattan. And now it's expanded. But that, to bring me to my original point, was I was watching these and I'm like, oh, I haven't read the Miles Morales book. I don't know this guy's work. I haven't read the Moon Girl book. I don't know this work. And uh, reading the women comics, I'm like, I haven't read it, haven't read it, haven't read it. And I'm like, what the fuck do you read? You read Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man. And I started to think, am I even into comics anymore? Wow. Like, I don't know what's going on in monthly comics. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've stuck in monthly comics, but I've pulled back so much more from DC than Marvel. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, a lot of these books, it's, it's different, um, to not have the store and, you know, now it's just like, I'm reading the books I would want to read or I was reading. But you don't have to remember that any other books exist. Exactly. So I, I always get worried that I'm the stuff falling between the cracks and I'm forgetting a book. I'm like, oh, I hope I'm reading all the books I was reading that I was enjoying. Um, but even just being able to walk around and peruse, you know, it's before I checked in the books every Tuesday. So I knew every single book that came out every single week. Now I only know the books that I want to know that I read. You know what I mean? I'm not flipping through books. I'm not trying um, books that catch my eye because you, you know, you're getting them online. So you can't really flip through them, um, you know, to see if you want them or if they look interesting. Yeah. I don't even go through the new releases on Comixology anymore. It's like I go to Comixology and I hit the sales Yeah, and, and I'm becoming this old fan where it's like, man, I really hope somebody puts all the, 80s Iron Man's up for sale. I hope, like, I hope those are 85 cents an issue. I want to buy all those. But you know, we've been talking about Sword of X, and I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't read an X Men comic in about nine issues. Yeah, but because they're not 85 cents, and it's right, like, you're waiting for a sale or waiting for the yeah, and it's like I'm not, I'm not even keeping up with the books I enjoy. And um, I have Amazing Spider-Man on subscription, but it's it's a mess because they still don't know where I live, and stuff is coming to the house, and I I've missed multiple issues this way. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm now four issues behind because they ship late and they missed an issue, which I don't want to skip over. Yeah. And it's like, that's the one book I read. I'm not even reading it. Yeah. I'm four issues behind on Spider-Man, but not because I have any kind of shipping issues. It's like, I don't know that I care about that book anymore. I, I hate to say it. And I'm, I'm sure there's like Nick Spencer fans out there that are like, that they'd love this book, but I just, I could give a shit about Kindred. You know, I almost like yeah. I, I just do it's like oh here's the corpse of Gwen Stacy I don't know it's like the whole thing is just I don't I know love, I'm not digging it I loved it a lot more a year ago when it was doing like hunted I was like yeah, this, this book is really story. fun I was like yep. it hasn't it's not great yet but it's really fun and that's what I was saying on the show and you're right it's like it's like I feel like it's running out of air and yeah. and, and it, you know what some books shouldn't I don't think any book should be more than once a month because we're, I think, yeah, that's part of the I problem, like, right? Is it's almost it's every two weeks they come and out I f- an issue. And I feel like we're getting a year's worth of story in twenty-four issues instead of twelve. Right. Yeah, I. Uh, I still feel like they pitched the year. Yes, and I, I think that is something that you know they're obviously doing it for you know milking the sales as much as they can. They put out their most popular book twice a month. Right. Well, it's, brand it's new like, day. Brand new day proved that. Uh, uh, which was Axel Alonso and Steve Wacker. I mean, they proved that Amazing Spider-Man sells much better than Spectacular or Web. So we'll do better sales making more issues of Amazing Spider-Man than we will. I mean, that was brand new day. Was originally, hey, let's go three times a month, and we won't do Web. Of Sp- we won't do Web of Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and Amazing Spider-Man. We do three books, Spider-Man books a month. Let's just make them all Amazing Spider-Man. So they all sell better. And they all sold better. Yeah, so, and the and thing that, with that, though, is that that brand new day, that experiment or whatever, right around the same time they did the new 52 or the 52, the weekly series, um, it, it was good. And I don't right. mind it three times a month if it's really good. Like brand new day was pretty consistent. I know, you know, we had Dave on the show before and he wasn't the biggest fan of like some of the uh, brand new day stories, but I, yeah, re- I, really I, liked I recently reread them all. And yeah, some stories are better than others. Sure. I think overall is a direction it worked. Then the other, the other problem that I think happened was they went, when they cut back, when Dan Slott took over all on his own, they cut back to two a month. 
but then they started introducing the other books anyway. It's like, here's, they're like, oh, here's Spectacular Spider-Man again. Ah, it didn't work. Let's cancel. Okay, here's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man again. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, now here's Nonstop Spider-Man, which got held for COVID, but still coming. It's right. Yeah, we're, we still have, and you know, we've talked about this. Spider-Man's become like Batman, which like there's seven Spider-Mans, and they all have their own monthly titles. Yeah, you know, like Miles has a title, and Gwen has a title, and it's one of the things that I I don't dislike about comics i kind of like this idea that it's you're constantly migrating from book to book so like spider-man i haven't really been feeling i'm probably going to migrate away from that you know but now like fantastic four is really good and i'm reading hulk which I know i'm i way behind on fantastic four i've been loving down slots fantastic yeah four. Again, it's, it's again totally it's behind. another book where it's not great but it's pretty good um and i and still want to finish this iron man i'm like i realized that um i i didn't read Iron Man 2020. As I said, there's a 616 episode about it, which is more about how a monthly comic is produced more than Iron Man. But, yeah. but I was like, oh, I didn't read the trade before 2020. I'm like way behind. And I haven't read, read Cantwell's Iron Man at all. Yeah, the new Iron Man, it's, it's, there's like three issues out maybe. And it's yeah. good. It's just, it's, a little, it's just a little slow going, but it's mm. like – Covers by Alex Ross. The interior art is phenomenal. Uh, this guy, I, I've been following him on um, Instagram for a while. He did um, the Jane Foster uh, Valkyrie book. Uh, so his name is um, Cafu, C-A-F-U. Uh, I don't know what that How dare is. you say that to me? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means, but um, it's cool. It's cool artwork. Um, it's it's like supposed to be like a back-to-basics um, like Iron Man book, which is nice. Um, and then, the, I mean, he's got this really cool. Yeah. I, and, and, I, and I love Iron Man, but there's been like so few great runs. Yes. It's like, it seems like Iron Man's a very hard one to sustain. Cause yeah, even, I think it's like, you could come up with a good Iron Man story, but it's hard to do a good Iron Man multi-year arc. Yeah. Cause you know, you had two writers. I like a lot get on Iron Man Neither and after do it well both of them after about 12 issues are like nah, that's enough of tony stark yeah you know like bendis was just like ah ironheart she's miles morales as iron right. man yeah and dan slot's like hey. yeah dan slot's like hey it's 2020 now it's arno stark yeah um and it's it's just like rob downey jr gave us the greatest performance of any superhero ever and nobody can get it like you know i've said it many times i haven't Liked it since Fraction did it. And Fraction, I thought Fraction's run was great all the way through. And Fraction did it after Tony St- uh, Did it at the same time. Same yeah. time. He did it at the same time. I think, it was funny, he, they actually gave him the second title. It, he was given Invincible yeah. Iron Man. And to, they made, he did it so good, they made it the They the canceled main the main title. title and made him the main title. Yeah, and that was because the first Iron Man was coming out. But yeah. then he was doing such a great job at the same time that Robert Downey transformed that character that he just had this amazing run and nobody's come close since. I was yeah. enjoying Dan Slott's run, but I didn't finish it. And yeah, then it, it I was waiting to see where he was going. And, and he, he never told us. <laughs> no, because he, he got bored with Tony Stark in about six issues. Because then they get, he did a secondary title where he's like, Tony Stark running around the world. It was like International Iron Man. I'm like, but you haven't told us a story in Iron Man yet. And then 
then he that Dr. ended Doom in Iron Man. Yeah, then he made Doctor Doom Iron Man, and then he made Ironheart Iron Man. It was like he's he was doing two Iron Man books without Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah, it's, I get it. I get it's hard. I just think it's something where it's just like it's it's one of those things, and that's why I'm happy to kind of be jumping on this new Iron Man because it's been so long since I've read Iron Man that I really like. Dance Lot had some interesting ideas, but I felt never really got to do too many stories. He did a cool Ultron story, but. Yeah, that I didn't read. That's where I fell off. Stuff with AI and then, yeah, the 2020 stuff. I'd yeah, and I like the stuff with Yocasta and Machine Man. And, right. And he, he's that's the pick- thing. is like Dan Slott's a good idea, man, for like world building. He does a good yeah. idea, a job of like taking a concept like and, and making ludicrous concepts work, like Spider-Man as Iron Man. Yeah, I sounds, mean, well, on paper it sounds terrible. Well, Doctor Octopus, Doctor Octopus is Spider-Man. He Friday Spider-Man. Yeah, and it fucking was. It was brilliant. It it's was his, brilliant. It is his masterpiece. It is. I reread all of Superior Spider-Man a couple months ago, and I'm like, this is fucking great. Like even yeah. even knowing where it's going, and it's like six, seven years later, I'm like. This is the high water mark of this decade of Spider-Man. Yeah, and I think that's the the hope, right? Is that's like reading the monthly comics, I'm always kind of like looking for what's going to be the next like classic run on a character. You know, Immortal Hulk appears like this is going to be the next big like Hulk book. We're like it's 40 plus issues in. Uh it's been consistently good the whole time. Uh, I I think we're kind of getting to the end of the main arc that this guy's been building on this whole time. Um, so it's, it's fun to be along for that ride when it's happening. Um, you know, so then it's something where you kind of look and, you know, a few years from now, it's like, okay, this will be omnibus worthy. This will be something that'll, uh, sit next to Peter David's Hulk. And this will be something that'll, it'll make sense. You know, it's consistent. And you know what? I think you just hit the nail on the head. I I think you, uh, uh, finally showed that we have one topic this week, (laughs) which never, ever happens. Omnibus worthy is yeah. you know there's so many omnibuses that aren't omnibus worthy and i feel yeah. like you people always talk about collecting as chasing a high um y- we're always reading the monthly comics like hoping that we're there when something omnibus worthy happens because i get this fomo with monthly comics and it's completely ludicrous because stuff is reprinted all the time but be- as an old time fan whenever i read the trade of something and it's really great I always go, hey, where was I? Why wasn't I buying this monthly? I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm watching something on repeat. Like, I'm not there when it happened, which is ridiculous because, you know, when it happened is a year before it's published. Right. And, and it's published to be published, serialized, then collected. It's all still happening. And, you know, they don't work in lockstep the way – I think only Stanley and Jim Shooter really created a universe where the entire publishing company – felt like it was moving ahead one month at a time. Yeah. Uh, but we still want to live in that world. Yeah. It's, it's the, even the idea of comics coming out weekly and what that looks like and how it's supposed to be. It's, it's something that is, it is currently changing and will continue to change. But yeah, the idea, it's like even sitting here thinking like you just said, it's like, what's omnibus worthy? And it's like, I can go through hundreds of books that haven't been collected in an omnibus and plenty that have been collected. You're just kind of like, why, why are we doing this? You yeah, know, it's right. like some of this stuff they print, you're just kind of like, wow. Or they, the, that's another um, point too, in terms of the, there must be an uptick in the collecting is how many of them get reprinted now. 
is yeah, almost more than, the more than ever. But you know what? Yeah. Even but even the garbage is selling out and was hard to get. Like, right. you made fun of me a few months ago because I was buying the Clone Saga as omnibuses. And really, what I'm trying to do is have all of Amazing Spider-Man and omnibuses, and then maybe I don't need all my back issues. Right. Um, that's what, and you know what? The Clone Wars ran for like three years. That's a lot yeah. of Amazing Spider-Man. A lot of books. Uh, but you know what? Some of those books, and honestly... I'm sure they were printed much lower than like Amazing Spider-Man number three because people know the Clone Saga is garbage, but those are like three hundred dollar books now. Yeah, they're like I, I look at all the '90s X-Men. Like, I, um, I have I've been getting all the X-Men as omnibuses because I don't have any back issues, so I have all these like crazy ass like I have the Phalanx Covenant and Shattershot and you know. The 12 or whatever. The 12. I have all these, yeah. you know, these stinky Trash. 90s books um, because then I have this unbroken run of uncanny. They're all like $200 books now. All of yeah, them. That's wild. Like they finally reprinted Age of Apocalypse because people went berserk. Yeah, that's another one that was solicited recently. Uh, they reprint Grant Morrison's X-Men. New X-Men's regularly reprinted. Astonishing X-Men is regularly reprinted. So, but then it's like Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force. It's another great X-Men book. I don't know that maybe it was reprinted once, you know, so you, it is tricky to think like, oh, maybe, you know, I like, like Silver Surf is a good example, the Buscema one that was sold out for, they, the first um, printing came out when the Rise of the Silver Surfer movie came. Yeah, that was like 10 years ago. And had been unavailable until just a few months ago. And I've never read any of those books. And I, when I came oh, in, I flew. Wait, you've, you've never read any of those books? You had originals. Uh, I I had like one issue. I had the uh, okay, uh, um, the Thor fight. Um, so you've read that, like issue four. Yeah, and I might have read like maybe one or two other issues, but the whole arc, the whole run, I'd never read. Um, yeah. And I'm a, I mean, a huge John Buscema fan. And that is, in my opinion, the best John Buscema artwork ever. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's awesome stuff. There, I mean, that, between that and his, uh, I'm also reading his Conan, and that's another thing. There. Are, there are four volumes of Conan the Barbarian. That's like the original Marvel years. But then they're also printing like the oversized, like Savage um, Sword, the Savage Sword stuff. And I, and for a hot minute, I was like, yeah, I'll get those too. And I had to stop myself. And I'm like, no, right. you can't have eight omnibuses for fucking Conan the Barbarian. Right. I love the book. It's a great. Uh, that's book. where character has to come in. You know, yeah. I bought, I bought all of the Marvel Star Wars omnibuses. Yeah. And so I, you tried to sell them to me. <laughs> I tried to sell them to you. I ended up selling them on eBay because you wouldn't buy them. <laughs> I knew better. Well, I like Conan, so I'll stick with Conan. I did hear. I like Star Wars more than I like Conan. Yeah, but not enough to keep the omnibuses. So I like Conan. I love Conan. <laughs> I like Conan O'Brien more than I like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Well, Netflix. Who by, is who, by the way, Conan the Barbarian series I've heard. Who, by the way, is ending his run. Yeah, I've heard that as he's, well. Uh, he's. They're ending he's the TBS show. Though. Well, he's starting an HBO Max. Um, weekly series. Okay. And his podcast is enormous. Yeah. Like so you know, where he, he could kind of be a podcaster. Yeah. Maybe that's his dream. You know, it's, just, it's probably less work. You know, he, he doesn't he, have to worry about his hair. <laughs> well, he keeps saying how much he enjoys it. He, uh, on the podcast, he says he really likes spending an hour with, with one person instead of six minutes. Yeah. So it makes sense. You know, it's like, um, the that's i think the format's kind of changed because like letterman's doing the same thing yeah letterman's doing like four episodes on netflix and those are good i watched the robert downey jr and the dave Chappelle ones 
uh, his new seasons out. Those are really good. Yeah. I, I, it makes sense. You know, it's like you're, it's a media yeah. interview. Well, you know, like last year is like they, tr- they made Conan go to one guest and it was a half an hour and he was in a smaller studio and he lost the band. I'm like, dude, this is somebody who's slowly breaking up with you. Yeah. Well, it's like either that or he was pushing for this all along, right? He was going for a format that he was more. Yeah, his his ratings have been eroding because everybody's ratings are eroding. Yeah. So I think they said when he went to TBS, he was getting two million viewers a night, and then he when they changed it to a half an hour, he was getting like half a million a night. Yeah. And I'm sure it's just gone down from there. You know, television's not what it used to be anymore. And now television is, you know, I was having this conversation with uh, Mike Drucker last time he was on because he's the head writer with Samantha B. It's like his show is Samantha B in her backyard. Right. You know, ever since COVID, she just does it at her house. And he, he and his staff write it from their house and email it in and she does it at her house. Right. And because her husband does production, right? Because he yep. was one of the correspondents on The Daily Show, too. He was one of the correspondents on The Daily Show, and he had, he had his own show. He had his own sitcom, The Detour, for a few seasons. Jason, yeah. And, yeah, and they're just kind of doing it. Um, and, and he was telling me, and he says it on that podcast, like, networks still like to spend a lot of money on these shows, but if they're not getting the return, you know, right. they're not going to continue to spend that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, we got these vaccines kind of in the works. So, you know, kind of light at the end of the tunnel here, but like by this point, we were already supposed to see, have seen black widow, the eternals, yep. uh, Falcon and winter soldier and WandaVision were all supposed to be out by now. Right. And now we're going to get a WandaVision in January. Although we are, we're getting wonder woman 1984, which we were supposed to get in the summer. They just said, fuck it. Like we'll put it on Christmas. Right. HBO Max is getting it before we even get this Snyder cut that sounds like he made a new movie. Yeah, I, I'm like, um, I'm morbidly curious about the Snyder cut. We'll do a podcast about it when it comes out. We'll I'll, I'll watch it because I, I, I just have to admit that I'm not going to give up HBO Max. There's too much. Yeah, there's too there's much too, coming out. Well, there's too much DC on it. There's too much uh, Warner Brothers properties on it. Um, it's expensive. It's like more expensive than Netflix, but there's a lot, there's a lot on there. Yeah. I mean, and my kids watch a lot of it. There's a lot of Cartoon Network on there. So it's yeah, like, yeah. I've, I've been watching um, Young Justice because uh, I really liked that show ever since I was a late comer. I think it was already off the air when I got to it. It was on Netflix. Um, but then the new season came out and I haven't seen. So I'm almost through. I rewatched from the beginning in like a week. I finished two seasons of the show. I'm probably a third of the way through season three. And then I think season four is supposed to drop like any week now. Oh, I didn't realize so, they made a season four. I thought season three was it. I thought it was no, like, I, think I thought it was like going. that. I thought it was like that final Clone Wars season. That, no, it's, I guess it is. Cause I Googled it and I'm like, is there a season four? And they said the season four should be, it was supposed to be out fall 2020. Um, so obviously, you know, COVID probably delayed production. I'm sure right. to some extent you can't have all these guys in one building drawing. So presumably although most of them are doing it at home now and i mean right so uh more and more animation has been animation has been been the least affected it's funny i was watching um because i've been doing pharmaceutical advertising for a while i i've seen two or three new pharmaceutical ads that are all animated and it's like literally the same old same old of like patient going about their day and they're going out and being happy and seeing their family but it's all animated because you can't shoot yeah as you know you can't go out and shoot that stuff yeah we're we're shooting at work still 
uh, but we're severely limiting our crew sizes. So it limits how much we're able to get in a day. And you're um, not sh- doing any location. Uh, well, we are, we do have a location coming up. It's our, it's our, uh, first location. Everything we've been shooting has been prim- primarily in studio or going outside somewhere. Like we did a uh, video f- for the Chicago rivers and we sent crews out and they interviewed people outside. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not sending anyone like indoors and stuff like this. So it's like, they're being very safe, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's like you certainly these bigger productions can't happen, right? They shut down Batman again. Somebody got COVID on the Batman set. So yeah. that got shut down again. Um, and I, I think it's like these bigger studios will figure out some way to do it, but it's basically, you know, you have to, it's like you're living in an army or something, you know, it's like well, everyone it's has like, to be like quarantined together. Right. It's like we were saying about, that's how the NBA did it. Right. Um, it, yeah, it was like we were saying about Samantha B. If you can do your show where it's you in your backyard, it'll keep going. But if you have 250 people in your crew, God, the chances that that's going to happen. Right. Yeah, it's, it's unlikely. So um, what's your greatest thing in the world this week? We mentioned a lot oh of stuff. Did you already so eat it? Um, well, I would say the, uh, the main thing, um, I'm still liking uh, X of Swords. It's, it might be jumping the shark. <laughs> It's hard to say we're, we're, it's, I think we're on like episode 19 of 20 issues of this. So we're kind of coming up to the end here, but um, image puts out a book called seven to eternity. It's my absolute number one independent comic recommendation. It's phenomenal. Um, I won't go too much into what it's about, but it's by uh, Rick Remender and Jerome Opeña. And they're doing it in kind of like what's been described as like a European style where they do take breaks with the book. You'll six months will go by and you won't have an issue, but then they'll put six issues out because they want to make sure the creative team of Remender and Opeña and uh, Matt Hollingsworth is doing the colors for it. They want to make sure that their creative team is consistent all the way through kind of like um, planetary. Uh, the entire run was done by um, Cassidy and um, Warren, Ellis. Warren Ellis. And they took, I mean, years in between issues at, at one point. Oh, and Laura Martin uh, did the colors, um, but they wanted it to, you know, be one book, beginning, middle, and end, all done by the same people. So uh, it's called Seven to Eternity. It's one of these books where it's just like, this will be like a big Amazon show at some point. Somebody at some point is going to look at this and make it into uh, like this beautiful show. It's like every panel in this book is like meticulously detailed. They've created this like incredible world. Um like mix of like fantasy and magic and stuff. It's just, it's really, really well done. The character design's incredible. The story's awesome. It's got really clever concepts for how magic works. And um, this like thread of this character called the Mud King. And it's just, it's really, really, really well done. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where I never get upset when uh, comic book writers who I really like and artists who I really like go to do independent books. Cause you get stuff like this. Uh, this artist on this book, um, Asad Ribic, I first saw on Uncanny X-Force. And, um, or maybe it was a couple years before that. It's something with Dark Rain. He did like a Punisher book, I think. And then he did a, a lot of Uncanny X-Force um, with Remender. And I just like fell in love with this guy's artwork. And uh, he did some of the Avengers stuff and then a big event. And then he went off to create indie comics. So um, highly, highly, highly recommended. It's like, uh, it's one of my absolute favorite indie, indie comics right now. Yeah. I just finished, uh, speaking of big streaming shows, as you said, this would make be perfect for Amazon. I just finished the new season of Animaniacs on Hulu. Um, it was released Friday. 
they've been talking wow. about it for two years. Yeah. In fact, the last C2E2 I went to, the only panel I made it through was the Animaniacs panel before the boys uh, had enough and made me go home. Yeah, as um, but it premiered on Friday, and the boys and I finished it all by Saturday afternoon. Wow. How um, many episodes? 13. Oh, okay. So it's a shorter season then. It's a shorter season. They're 20 minutes, the, uh, maybe a little longer. Um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely reboot friendly because most of most of the good feeling I have is like, oh my God, there's a new pinky in the brain on. Yeah. Um, so and, did they go back and uh, is it is it kind of just like the old Animaniacs where it is and it is the same. It is and it isn't. I mean, the entire voice cast is back, and you can hear that they're all a little older. You know, it's yeah. like it's kind of like hearing Mark Hamill do the Joker now. It's got like right. just a little more it's like, like uh, season one Bart Simpson and season what thirty Bart. Simpson? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, I really hear it with Maurice Lamarche doing the brain. It's a, a different take, but it's but it's just as good where there's more of a breathiness in the brain's voice. Yeah. Um, but it works. And it's like, you can, you can tell the energy is slowed down. It's like these people, these are not people in their thirties anymore. I mean, like right. the original Animaniacs were so over caffeinated, that vibe that came off that screen. Yeah. You're not getting that. And it's vector art. Now it's not hand drawn. Okay. So they have a wider color palette. It's like, as we were watching it, I said, Hey, this doesn't, I said this, original show looked like tiny tunes this doesn't look like tiny tunes this looks like the looney tunes show which you know we all loved on cartoon network which was kind of a blip on the radar yeah um but the it, sitcom looney tunes the sitcom looney tunes which yeah. i i love and i don't yeah uh, it's a shame it was brilliant it's just like they didn't it, it was people must have not watched it you know now it was two seasons i bought it i it might be on hbo max it's real dry it's not much slapstick but the art looks more like that like it, um, so they're using vector art. There's harder lines, uh, but it's but it's fun. And there's different writers. You can tell it's they didn't bring the writing staff back. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that uh, is that it's it's what people say are Animaniacs, but it's the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, um, and Pinky in the Brain. And Animaniacs originally was just this umbrella title for this anthology show where there were like. There were tons and tons yeah, of characters. The yeah, the they had a, all the yeah. different. Yeah, because that's what I was interested Rita in. Rita and like, Runt and Chicken Boo and the Hippos and there'd be these one-off and Katie Kaboom and like um, the good idea, bad idea guy. Yeah, um, there is one episode that's a meta episode about what happened to all of those, but it's and there's a line that they change in the Animaniacs theme song, which is they reanimate the entire opening except for. They update just a couple of lines here and there, and it it just gives it a lot of life. But it's like they clearly went into this going like people like Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, and Pinky in the Brain do that. Okay. And we get each episode is like um, a seven minute Yakko, Wacko, and Dot short, a seven minute Pinky in the Brain short, and then like a five minute usually another Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Sometimes it's something else. But it, it's got that formula to it, and a lot of a lot of the tropes are gone. There's no wheel of morality, you know. The, um, the, there's no, there's not the uh, wacko burping. Like a lot of those tropes are gone. Like we were actually watched like five or six episodes, and I was saying saying to the boys, I was like, "Has Pinky even said narf yet?" And then he said it a bunch of times in the next episode. So they're not just like 
They're not yeah, just it's ringing not the, rehashing. No, they're not just ringing the Easter egg bells. They're really going back and like, what new stories can they do? And you know, there's, and there's definitely updates in the way that they're doing Trump jokes now. They used to do Clinton jokes. Right. You know, yeah. So it's like, it's still uh, topical or whatever. Yeah. They're doing like a lot. They're doing a lot of like internet and social media jokes, but it's totally worth it. If you liked Animaniacs at all. And, uh, Animaniacs came in that, in that golden age of Warner brothers, nineties animation. Yeah. You know, once, Batman the Animated Series, once Tiny Toons happened, they got your attention. And then when Batman the Animated Series started, like, it just I mean, paid attention. Batman, it was Superman. It was uh, yeah. Freakazoid. Yeah, Freak- yeah, Freakazoid. There was Hysteria. There was Tasmania. Yeah. Uh, they were all good. They were, and it was really, really good up until everything moved over to the WB. And then by the end of the decade, you had Pinky Elmira and the Brain and Batman Beyond and um, those shows have their fans, but that's when it was starting to slow down. And then Pokemon took over WB. The yeah. Same way, same way Power Rangers took over Fox. Right. But and I was there uh, for all of it. Yeah. I, and I was older. I mean, I was a college student, but, uh, but because it was all so good, I was addicted to all of it. So I don't have that same, uh, I don't have that same um, nostalgia that you might have for it, but it was it was like the X Files coming back. It was like so. I was in tears at some point, laughing. Yeah. Just because I was, it was so good. Like at one point, I said out loud, "Why didn't they do this before? Like they bring Looney Tunes back every three years. Like yeah. they've let these guys sit for twenty years." Nostalgia, because I was, I don't know how ten or you know twelve or something when Animaniacs came out. Now I'm in my thirties, and it's yeah. like people my age have kids and that the, they it's that nostalgia train is like oh i like this when i was a kid so here you should watch this and, and that's this. what i it's- did with the dvds and when they originally they were on netflix for a while and then they moved to hulu to do this and so my boys saw a lot of it by the time right. they were five six um but we were all equally into it so i absolutely recommend it so yeah, i forgot it was coming out but i'm glad that it it came out and it's uh it's good that's the high praise Put on the first one, and then uh, whether you binge them or whether you take a few months with it, you, by the first one, you know exactly what you're getting into. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, it just shows that there's nothing. They, they write a whole song about rebooting things because I'm having a real hard time to think of what hasn't been rebooted now. Yeah, I was going to say, and given enough time, just about everything mainstream popular will be rebooted at least once. You know, it's like, it's just inevitable. Yeah, I'm like, I'm still holding out for... Nothing. Kids in the Hall are doing a new season on Amazon Prime. Yeah, wow. Everything, everything is back. Yeah. Well, if you want to tell us uh, what you're waiting, waiting for the reboot of, um, God, no, maybe it's Sequest DSV. <laughs> I haven't seen that come back yet. Mm. Maybe it's her too. Maybe. Brothers, they're talking about bringing back. What is? Uh, I've heard they're trying to bring Venture Brothers back. Oh, well, they just ended Venture Brothers. I know. Ago. Like, it just ended and they're bringing it back. Well, like, we talked about Young Justice earlier. They revived that and that's coming yeah. back with another new season. I just saw a new season of Archer and they told me the last season was the last season. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, want to get back into that too. I, uh, yeah, it's I, good. Hulu has everything. So and, many episodes. And in fact, Hulu has everything that I watched this whole new season on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, nothing ever goes away. But let us know, what are you looking forward to coming back? Uh, 
whether whether you can't wait for Wonder Woman 84, you can't wait for WandaVision, or you think Freakazoid deserves one more season, because it does. It does. Uh, let us know. There's ways to get in touch with us. I am at Not In My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Captain Comics social networking feed. Or go to Facebook.com slash Captain Comics, where we post all the news. Steven, how do we find you? How do we find the episodes of the show? You can find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. And you can find this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. And uh, we will talk to you next week where I will officially reboot Caffeinated Comics and nothing will change. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll> say the <laughs> same.